lot to do. We're going to go to John chapter 8. If you have a Bible, you can turn with me or you can look back here behind me. Um, Lakeside gave us a card of thanks for Merry Christmas, and they all signed it from the staff. Very personal card. And that's just, uh, I want to let you know that we're making an impact in our city, and it's being noticed. And they took the time to sign this card and get it to us. And that means we're making a big impact in their lives. Not just the residents of these apartment complexes, but also the staff the staff that may not even live in the area, but they drive in for work. They're getting to know about the Lord and the love of God. And uh, so thank you for your hard work. We've got a big year plan next year, and I can't wait to talk about it next year. It's going to be amazing what all God does through our church and what we can do for the kingdom. John chapter 8. Let's go there together. And I, I just felt on my heart today this story. I couldn't get away from it. I felt like God wants to speak to us, encourage us today. And um, this is where we're going to go. And let's go to chapter 8, verse 1, and here we go. Uh, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now, early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him and sat down, and and he taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught caught in adultery, And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, to Jesus, the teacher, this woman was, everybody say she was caught. She was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, trying to challenge Jesus that they might have something of which to accuse him. Well, they were nasty, weren't they? But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. He just acted like he wasn't even going to listen to all that. He just tried to ignore all of that. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up, said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her. Cast the first stone. And again, he stooped down, wrote on the ground. He went back to writing, doodling on the dirt. And then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has, has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Everybody say, from darkness to life. That is absolutely the plan that Jesus has for our lives. He wants us to leave the darkness behind and go into the light. Is anybody, first of all, thankful that this is in the Bible? Do you, do you realize what, what would have happened that day if Jesus had not stepped up? Yeah, very possibly she would have been stoned right there on the spot. A horrible death. All right, everybody say in Jesus' name. You can be seated. And uh, today I just, I just felt like talking about the love of the lawmaker. I felt like talking about the love of God. And our God is the the lawmaker. And I believe in one God, so I know that Jesus is the lawmaker. 
I know that Jesus is the God of the Old Testament robed in flesh. And therefore, the God that told Moses what he wanted people to do is that same Jesus Christ in this text. Anybody believe that today? So, um, when, I, when I was feeling this today, I had PTSD from an old Christmas song. I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. Did she cheat on dad? Y'all, what's wrong with America? What kind of song is that? I mean, you're talking like 1987-ish. And they wrote this song. Why did I even know that song when I was six? Why are we talking about stuff like this in America? You know, y'all think America is getting rough now. Think back to our roots where mom used to cheat on dad with a figment of our imagination. With an overweight old man with a big long white beard. It's like what in the world is going on in this nation when that was how we were raised. That, that, do you know who wrote that song? A 13-year-old boy wrote that song. I feel like something went down in his house one day. I, I feel like that was inspired from something. A 13-year-old boy wrote that song, and we sing it, and we have fun, and we don't even think about the lyrics. Now, now we know, let me just spoiler alert, we know now, of course, not when you're six, but you know maybe by the time you're nine or 10 or 11 or 12, that, okay, dad is, in that song, Santa Claus. But when you're six years old, it makes you kind of wonder what's going on on Christmas Eve, all right? I mean, they told us, hurry and get in bed, don't get up. And we're going to leave some cookies out for, and I'm like, so when you're young, you kind of wonder, is mom really, is mom really cheating on dad with this Santa Claus? Because when you're six, you think Santa's real. And so when you're sitting here thinking Santa's real, you know what you're doing? You're going, what if, what if you know, what if she does want someone with a lot of gifts? What if she does want somebody that knows how to fly with reindeer? You know, when you're six, you kind of think, Dad's cool, but Santa's better. <laughs> Man, this is crazy. That in, our, in our American culture, we have a song that talks about adultery <laughs> to a child. You know, because I didn't know when I was young. I just laughed about it. I didn't really know until you figure it out later. It kind of can be a little bit traumatic on a child. When you're innocent and don't know. Oh, it gets worse. There was another song even in the 1950s. Before that, Grandma Got Run Over by, what, what, what are we doing, y'all? What's, I feel like America's a lie. I just feel like I've been raised in the most ungodly culture. We're all sitting around just having a Christmas party. Grandma got run over by a reindeer, and we're all happy. Grandma's not happy. Never seen a grandma sing that song. Y'all, I'm just trying to pull a little bit of the 
Christmas season in, but I just thought it was really shocking because that's where my mind went. I was like, you know, adultery is a real thing, and then here we are just singing Christmas songs about it like it's no big deal. So I just had a, I had a blast from the past there, and I was just kind of like, what? And I looked up the lyrics to these songs. Y'all, we got to be careful what we sing. Do you know that Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer includes Grandma getting drunk on eggnog? Do you know it includes that, that Grandpa's just like, whatever, he's just drinking beer? Yeah? Yeah, and it's, it's pretty crazy, the songs we sing. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. So to all the kids out there, adultery is whenever you start getting real kissy on someone you're not married to, okay? I heard some kids laugh like, ooh. That's what's happening here. This is a family-friendly message. And that's what's happening here in this story is that these uh, law-abiding, mosaic law-following religious zealots are trying to trick Jesus. And their agenda was to follow the law of Moses. So their goal ultimately was for people to do what was right. And what I felt was so powerful about this is that the law, the, the legal scholars, and Jesus both have the same goal. And that is to stop people from sinning. That was the purpose of the law. So when you go to the little Old Testament story now, when you go to the Old Testament originally, the way that you would make sure you live pure is you would listen to the law that God gave to Moses. There's a lot of commandments, a lot of rules, and if you would live by those laws, you'd be righteous and you'd be saved. But if you broke those laws, you'd be a sinner and you'd be lost and there'd be a penalty for that. So what they were trying to do is they were trying to keep people from, from being involved in adultery, people from sinning, from doing wrong against God, but their method was different than the method of Jesus. Their method was pull out a box of rocks and beat people until they change their mind. The, the problem with stoning someone who has been caught in the act of adultery is that you solve the sin, but the person's now dead. The problem with the law is that the only way to keep you from doing it again is to kill you. That's not a very good solution this Christmas season. It's kind of sad, isn't it? So what's happening in the story is you have kind of like Jesus versus the law, which is impossible because the Bible tells us that Jesus came to fulfill the law. He's the original lawmaker. There is no conflict between Jesus and the law. The confusion is on the side of the legal scholars of the day because they did not understand that Jesus, his presence was there to fulfill, to finish and complete the law because the law was incomplete and that its power came from its penalty. So you would do what was right because you were afraid of being killed. Wow, we're so righteous. Why do you do what you do? I do what I do because I don't feel like getting stoned today. Why do you lift your hands up in church? Well, I, I'd like to not get stoned today. 
Hey, why do you go to church? Well, I go to church because if I don't, someone will probably run me over with a car. Maybe it'll be a reindeer. I don't know. But something bad could happen to me. I live this way because I am afraid of the consequences and the penalties. Boy, that'll fix it. Let's just hurt people. That'll fix it. Let's threaten people. That'll make us all pure and holy this Christmas season. Let's just get out there and be mean to somebody. Let's just throw stones at people. This was the concept of the law. The goal of the law was to make sure that people stopped doing ungodly things. The problem is, is there's no amount of suffering and pain that can stop someone from a desire to sin. It's in the nature of people. Look, this, this woman knew that if she were to get caught in adultery, that the penalty under the Moses' law right then would be to be stoned to death. Yet she still did it. You know what that says? That says that you can't scare righteousness into people. That says there is no penalty, there is no threat, there is nothing that can ever happen to truly make you want to stop sinning. It is impossible for the law to be good enough. This is not going to be a very deep message. But this is just a word for some of the day. This is a good news for some of the day. That the goal of the entire Bible is to get you to become sin-free. But the method of the Old Testament was not enough. Threats, destruction, trying to kill, hurt, maim, whatever, all that, that right there was good to a point, but it wasn't good enough. It didn't change the world. It doesn't change people's lives. So the Bible says that uh, this woman was brought to Jesus. Now, here's what the Bible teaches about the law. This is really cool. The law is a schoolmaster. The law brings us to Christ. Okay? Look what it just did. It brought him to Christ. Because the law can't fix stuff. It has to go to the source, to the authority of the matter. And so I'm so thankful for the law because if it had not been for the law, I could have never gotten to Christ, and furthermore, I would never see the true love of God. The law says you ought to die. The law says you deserve penalty. The law says you've got to be perfect or else. The law leaves us in a very sticky situation, and that's why the people in the Bible caught her but didn't know what to do with her. Because those men knew there's no way to stop the sin unless we kill the sinner. So let's bring her to Jesus and see if Jesus has a plan for a sinner that maybe will fix sin once and for all. And thank God today he did have a plan for her. Jesus has a plan better than the law. Jesus has a plan that fulfills the law. And where it was not enough, Jesus has something he wants to do. I don't know how you got to Jesus, but I'm just glad you got there. I don't know what kind of trouble you got in to find him, but I'm just glad it got me to him. I don't know what you went through and that trying to trouble you got in, but I'm just glad whatever it took, it brought me to Jesus. The law will bring you to Jesus. Y'all, it's getting in trouble that brings us to Jesus. It's, it's getting caught that brings us to Jesus. Getting caught, getting exposed, finding out what I've done in secret places. But I'm going to tell you, you're, you're okay. 
Because the law might catch you, but when the law gets done, it has to bring you to Jesus. The law can't fix you. The law can't get you out of sin. All the law can do is take you to Jesus. The Bible says that the, these legal people, they, they wanted to try to trap her and they wanted to bring her to Jesus. And I'm so glad they did because they brought her to Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus wasn't going to have it. In fact, he just got down and started writing on the ground. And, and people are like, well, I think he, he, he began to uh, write down every sin that, that she did. Or I think he began to write down something really special or fancy. And honestly, the Bible doesn't say because we don't need to know. But I do know this. He was trying to ignore them. That's what the Bible says. Okay, go ahead and say what you want to say. I'm not, letting you, I'm not letting you get me off my plan. I'm not letting you mess with me. You just go ahead and say, I'm ignoring you. And then he rises up, and he finally begins to talk to these, these legal scholars. And he says, okay, speaking of sin, you want to play the game of throwing rocks at sinners? Which one of you hadn't done it? When you go down the road of law and not grace and mercy, we all die. We all die. Nobody wins. Let that speak to you. When we go down the, you, sh- you know better, now I'm going to hurt you. But you know better too. We all know better. Y'all, if we use the logic of, oh, you got caught, what did you not get caught doing that you're still wrong for? See, here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus catches you before before anybody else does. What Jesus was saying was, I know y'all caught her, but I've already caught all of y'all. Because ain't nobody know what we're really doing except Jesus. The law knows what you do on the surface, but Jesus knows what's wrong with the heart. And what Jesus was saying was, I've read every one of y'all's spirits, and every one of y'all got a nasty heart, nasty intentions, and every one of y'all deserve to die. So if y'all think this is the solution for the world, let's get to throwing stones. And all of a sudden they begin to realize if 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 it got out what I was doing in private, I would have to taste the same fate as the woman that got caught. So maybe I'll just put my stone down and walk away. Because what what you throw at somebody else, it will come back to be thrown at you. And so these legal scholars got real smart all of a sudden because they can't hide from Jesus. Jesus knows your secret stuff. And they begin to feel convicted. They begin to feel condemned. And they realize if we begin to live by the law to the T, we're all going to suffer. We're all going to die. There's only one solution left. We got to drop this and we got to get out of here. I love that Jesus is a defender of women who get caught in the act of adultery that deserve to die. So what happens next? What happens next is Jesus has this little dialogue with the woman, and she realizes all the accusers are gone. She's no doubt very grateful for what happened. And he says, neither do I condemn thee. Mercy, grace love. She didn't deserve it. She did not deserve it, but yet she got it. Y'all, this, this is so powerful, and this is what's missing in our world. This is what's missing in our culture. Absolutely, you're right. Everybody deserves everything coming to them. 
but that's not the response of Jesus Christ. The stone-throwing culture we're living in right now is not solving any problems. In fact, we're getting worse by the day. Our politicians now throw stones to throw stones and throw stones. And what do you do when you start throwing stones? You start throwing stones. Because if you're going to throw a stone at me, I'm going to throw a stone at you. I won't get you before you get me. The culture we're spiraling into is a culture of stone-throwing legalism. That's where we're at right now. And the solution to fixing the problem is not more stones, not more accusations, but simply a self-recognition that I also have problems. The best thing for all of us is a look in the mirror. You know what? I've got problems too. The best thing for every one of us to protect ourselves from being from spiraling into this stone-throwing culture among our family, among the church, is to realize that before I throw an accusation, what, who am I? What have I done? Who am I in secret? Y'all, you know what we do? We trash those in public. We trash the public offenders. But we don't, we don't care about the secret stuff. But if you would go honest with yourself and realize that you've probably done a lot of those things in secret and just never got caught yet, we have no right to throw stones. But how do we fix the problem, y'all? Because Jesus has let this woman get off the hook. She's going to go do it again, right? Jesus, how do you stop the sin? You didn't, you didn't destroy her. You let her go, Jesus. What if she goes and does it again? Here's the power of the mercy and grace of God. Why would you want to go do it again? He saved you from that penalty. Why would you want to go do it again? Look what he just did for you. Nobody's ever loved you like that. Nobody's ever tried to save you like that. All the men you've ever been with have tried to abuse you and hurt you, but now you've found one that actually loves you enough to say, you know what, you don't deserve it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. I'm going to show you love and mercy and grace. And so he, he gives her a free pass and says, I'm not condemning you. You're free to go, but there's one condition, and here's, here's where it gets real serious. You can go without the penalty, but now you've got to go and stop sinning. The part of the reference that probably we don't spend enough time on is Jesus does not give you a free pass from living the rest of your life in sin because you didn't have to have the law. You still can't sin. The difference is the reason why you don't. Jesus' name. You still can't sin. In fact, it's greater now because I've been given a second chance. You think I'm going to sin after it should have been me that died? You think I'm going to turn my back on him after letting me off the hook, after giving me grace I don't deserve? Do you think for a second I'm going to leave this place and just abuse your grace and your mercy? No, because I know I should have been condemned, because I know I should have been lost, because I realize I'm a sinner and you set me free. I will not leave you and go out there and commit that act again. I will live pure. I will live free. 
The law wanted to get you free of sin. It just came short. Jesus wants to get you free of sin. He's not coming short. He knows how to get you free. Forgiveness, love, and mercy, and grace is all you need to live sin-free. The desire to be sin-free has got to be in your heart. You know, we'll get into the power of being sin-free when you get into conversion, but they hadn't been converted yet. There's a, there's a lie of the last days that says, I, I can't live that way. I'm a sinner. Jesus said, go and sin no more. Do everything in your power to turn your back on that life of sin. You're still going to have to deal with the sin problem. I'm talking about forgiven with mercy, grace, and love, you still can't sin. Y'all, it's, it's so much worse when you choose to defy God after he didn't kill you. It takes an evil monster to repay love with more evil. It takes someone far from God to know you deserve the rocks And yet you were set free, and you still struggle with your life of devotion to God. This is why the gospel story works so well, because it's much easier now for us to live sin-free, knowing what He's done for us. You know what would be good for every single one of us? To have a revelation that I should be dead under a pile of rocks, right? this minute except for Jesus Christ. I should have already died a long time ago. I should have died in that car wreck. I should have went out and had that heart attack after all the things I've done, all the things I've said, all the attitudes I've had. I have been a nasty person, but God did not give me what I deserve. He instead said, I do not condemn thee, and you think I'm going to live a life of sin, and you think I'm going to be unfaithful to the house of God, and you think I'm not going to pray No, that gives me a lot of fuel for my prayer life. It gives me fuel for worship. It gives me a desire to be sin-free. We are not free to live in sin. We are not free to live in sin. If people can climb Mount Everest, you can can get out of here today and say, I'm not going to sin. I'm against it. Yeah, you can't do it in your own power. Sure, you need the power of the Holy Ghost, but that desire to not sin will make you want to repent. That desire to not sin will make you want to get baptized in Jesus' name. That desire to not sin will say, let me have that spirit of power and purity in my life, Jesus. Because I'm making my mind up right now. I'm not going to sin against you. It has to be inside of every heart in this place right now that I am walking out of this place today and I am not going to sin after the grace of God that's been extended to me. 100%. Y'all, we are not a sinful people. We're not. It's a lie. The casual Christian is a lie of the last day church. It's a deceptive lie. There is no such thing as a habitual sinning Christian who comes to church and God's not going to see it anymore. Jesus said, because I've let you go, you need to be pure. But the difference is now why you want to be pure. You now want to be pure, not because you're afraid of penalty. You want to be pure because you don't deserve what I just gave you. The reason why 
Pastor Green has decided to start preaching more about salvation, sin, is because you really can't be thankful for the grace if you don't understand how bad of a sinner you really are. Do you know why America needs a good old-fashioned revival of sin preaching? Because they've talked about grace and didn't even understand sin. You know what's wrong with us? The power of the cross is weakened in our minds because we don't realize how lost we were before that cross. We don't realize how sinful we are. We don't realize how dirty we are. Until you have an understanding of how you're breaking the law, you don't appreciate the no condemnation message of Jesus Christ. The reason why we're not faithful and devoted is because we can't grasp the cost of what he paid for us at the cross. We do not deserve it, ladies and gentlemen. The reason why it's hard for you to praise because you don't understand. You should be dead. I just can't find the, the passion for it because you don't realize what he did for you. You were that woman. You shouldn't be here right now. You shouldn't be on your way to heaven. There is an, a gross lack of understanding of how far we are from God before he came to find us. Christmas is special to me because he came to find us. He came to get us. He came to seek us out. We don't deserve anything. We, we don't deserve his presence. We don't deserve him coming to rescue us. We do not deserve it. We are filthy. One writer said that our, 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 our righteousness is like filthy rags. It's just a simple message that God gave me today about His grace and His love. The modern day church has stopped preaching about the law and sin, and therefore we have no backdrop to see the love of God now. We don't understand that we still can't sin. The difference, only thing that changed is our motivation for not doing it. We still can't sin. Jesus said, you're not condemned if you walk out of this room and stop sitting. Jesus said, the only hope for you after you've come to me is to walk out of that room with making your mind up, I'm not living that way anymore. That's what he said. That's what he said. That's what's in the Bible. That's the word of the Lord. And that's consistent throughout the whole Scripture. And I really felt to say today is that there's so many Christians out there that they say, I'm just going to sin. It's part of it. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner saved by grace. You know what? That kind of has a little bit of a flair to it that I can't stop it. God's going to overlook it. No sin will enter into heaven. You know, another problem, y'all, with sin preaching is people don't know what sin is. People are like, well, I didn't commit adultery this week, so I'm good. I didn't, I didn't slash someone's tires. I didn't cuss somebody out. I didn't smoke a cigarette. Y'all, sin is so deep, so broad, so wide, so tall. It, it, en it encompasses everything that is in our lives. Yes, 
it's a problem. And we've got to understand that if we don't study sin, study the law, understand what God hates, then how can we know how great a work He did at the cross? You know, people don't care about Christmas because you don't understand how lost we were before He came. 400 years of darkness. Rome was ruling the world. They were baby-killing monsters. And Jesus came to set us free. We don't deserve it. We don't. We deserve that stoning. We deserve that judgment. But I'm so glad and I'm so thankful for the love of the lawmaker. He loved us so much. The law was never meant to hurt us. It was meant to show us how far we are from God so that when God comes, we know how far He traveled. The law is the mileage on the vehicle. The law is the odometer to tell us how far we are from God, how far He came to get to us. We don't deserve it. Why are you still sitting? Why are you still sinning? You're sinning because you you don't know what sin is and because you don't understand how much has been given to you. And it's just good for us every now and then to look in the mirror and say, I don't deserve, I don't deserve the love of God. This church is is not going the way of of the modern day preaching where we never deal with sin. It is absolutely the the core message of the entire Bible is you got to get free of sin. Sin separates us from God. Sin separates from a relationship with God. Sin hurts God. Sin is an offense against God. You should be asking the questions. How do I get free of sin? How do I make sure I'm not sinning? If you're not asking the question, then you need to have your moment of revelation where you realize, I deserve the rocks. I deserve the suffering, but I didn't get it. You know, it's so hard sometimes for us to have grace, and I'm almost done, because we never had to die the death. We just almost did. And a lot of us have a difficult time with our worship because we didn't go through with it. Because if we had, we wouldn't get a second chance. It takes a little bit of imagination this morning to realize you were this close. You were this close. You were this close to not having hope, this close to not being saved, this close. Except the Lord said, no. No, you can't touch her. No, you can't take her out. No, I give grace, I give mercy, and you don't deserve it one bit. Thank God for the love of the lawmaker. Is anybody thankful today that we didn't get what we deserve? We did not get the suffering we deserve. The penalty of the law, we should be dead for all that we have done selfishly against God. Some of you are thinking, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? The big deal is you're, you were created by God. What does it matter what I do to God? Because you are the children of God. He made us all, our creator, our father. We are his children. He created us, and it matters how we treat him. You're like, what's the big deal? I didn't ask for this. No, our kids are not asked to be born. But they are. and They belong to us, whether they ask for it or not. This is personal to God. 
And his love is so rich. And his love is so pure. Hell will never be enough to get you to be devoted to God. And the reason why i got to preach about hell is to show you how wonderful our salvation is. Why does there have to be a hell? How would you understand God loved you if there were no penalties? How would you even grasp the fact that God saved you from what? Saved you from hell. The whole concept of salvation has to have a penalty. You were saved. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. You deserve to be stoned. But Jesus stepped up and said, no, that's not how it works. We're not throwing stones around here. I'm not going to condemn you. None of you can either. In fact, I'm going to give you a pass. I'm going to give you freedom today. You're not going to die. The law can't touch you. But when you walk out of this room, you've got to make up your mind. I'm done with my life of adultery and sin. Why would I waste the grace that God has extended to me and my family? Why would you waste it? I think this message is the most powerful message to get people to get pure and devoted to God. I think the message of God's love and grace is what we need more of in the last days because it's the only thing that's strong enough to keep us devoted and committed, pure in our walk with God. Anybody that says, I just don't know about living holy, I don't know about living righteous, you have not taken a trip to the Old Testament see how dark and how lost it is without the love and grace of God in our lives. I'm so thankful today for Jesus and his love for us. I'm so grateful right now. And we have a baptism scheduled today and I'm so, I'm so thankful. And I, in Jesus' name, believe God is going to reach hearts today and maybe there's somebody else during this Christmas season you want to get baptized in Jesus' name. We, we've got it all ready today. And I hope that you will. I hope there's someone here today you haven't got baptized in Jesus' name. You're ready. You're ready to be full of the Holy Ghost, the power of God. I really do. I pray in the name of Jesus. God, let that be the case today. It's somebody right now is thinking about that. We've already got one. But why would you not want to say, yeah, I'm ready for this. I'm all in. I deserve death. I know how I've lived my life. But you're telling me that there's hope for me. You're telling me I get a second chance. Lord, how could I turn my back on that opportunity? How could I say no to that? How could I do it, Lord? Let's just stand. I'm not going to preach long today. I just really felt a simple word, a simple story in the Scripture of God's great love. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, thank you for your word. Thank you for that story. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Let's lift our hands and just take a moment. Take a moment of surrender, thinking about the goodness of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, thank you for the word today. Thank you, Lord, that you have set us free from the penalty that we deserve so deeply, God. You have set us free from that consequence. We have freedom today. We have absolute freedom today to enter into your presence, God, with boldness, declaring a thankfulness today because of your good forgiveness and love and mercy and grace. Thank you, God, for love. I deserve death. I deserve suffering. 
But Lord, I'm so grateful for the message. I know today there are people that they've wondered about whether they can be saved and be sinners, but Lord, I hope it's clear today we've got to walk out of this room. We've got to walk out of this place saying, Lord, I'm done with a life of sin. I'm done being offensive to you. I'm done going against you. I want to give everything to you from now on. You're the only one that's loved me this good. You're the only one that's given so much for me. I don't deserve your grace and your mercy. How could I possibly turn my back on the goodness of God? On a God that would come and a God that would give his life and a God that would give his heart to us. Thank you, Jesus, for your love today. I worship you, God. Thank you, Lord. If you want to come join us today for some prayer time, I think it'd just be good for everyone.